And when, when it was opened, it contained some uh, boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese and some tuna helper. Ew. Welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenting, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Yes, Barry Liga. That's me. That's you. Um, So I want to tell a story. Hey, that's what this podcast is for. Sometime last year, I think it was. Probably, because I remember I had a baby at the time, and I had a baby last year. Um, One of my very good friends, who lives in a big apartment building on the Upper West Side... Uh, we were all out to dinner and she was saying that she's got a problem in her building and she and her neighbors are trying to figure out how to solve it, which is that her upstairs neighbors had a baby and the baby screamed all night long. Uh. And it was so bad that they were all sort of collectively talking to each other about the idea of leaving a note. Um, the, the twist with this story is that they weren't they didn't. They weren't super concerned about the baby crying because babies cry. Yeah. But they were concerned because it sounded like the father in the in the apartment was not handling the crying very well. He would yell when he when the baby was crying for an extended period of time, um, etc. Like seemed to lose his temper. So so they weren't. You know, the neighbors weren't annoyed about the fact that there was a baby crying. Although that is a little bit annoying. But they were annoyed. They were concerned that the father was like losing it basically. Yeah. So they talked about leaving it, slipping a note under their door that basically was kind of like, hey, maybe you should consider these resources to de-stress or have you tried this? Or, hey, here's a DVD, an extra DVD copy of The Happiest Baby on the Block that might help you because I've noticed your baby cries a lot. Something like that. So we had this intense conversation about whether something like that was appropriate, um, how would you, how would I have felt if someone had slipped a note under the door <laughs> all those nights when our kid cried a lot? <sighs> um, and again, you you know, you and I occasionally yelled, but it it was out of frustration to each other, yeah, I don't not think to the baby. I don't think we ever yelled at no, the baby. Certainly I mean, not. I think you Let's know. Clarify that. Yeah, there were there were nights where you know you're woken up for the fifteenth time, and you know I would wake up and go, Jesus, yeah, and then. Yeah. And then, but by the time I was out the door of the bedroom to go into the baby's room to pick up the baby, I wasn't screaming. Right, you know, of course, it's, it's yeah. just that moment of releasing the tension. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so that happened last year. I actually don't know whatever how they ever resolved that, but yeah. I'm assuming the baby doesn't cry much anymore because it's been quite some time, and the baby probably outgrew that. Right. So imagine my surprise when this week I came across an article on AOL about a family who has a newborn. They live in a condominium complex, and a neighbor slipped a note under their door, basically saying, your baby cries too much, you're going to get fined by the homeowners association if you can't figure out how to calm your baby. And this blew my mind. What? (laughs) Yeah, because there are noise regulations as part of this condo complex, I suppose. Um, And it's very interesting because the neighbor uh, identified himself. And signed the note. It wasn't anonymous, yeah. so he wasn't concerned about that. Um, well, but also, like, I have to say, like, that doesn't sound like a neighbor saying, hey, shut your kid up, it's bothering me. That almost sounds like, hey, 
just want to let you know, neighbor, you're headed towards getting fined, like, in case you didn't know. Oh, no, no, no. The no- they published the note. Oh, it, okay. was, it wasn't a nice note. It okay. wasn't a, like, warning. Yeah. You know, I heard through the grapevine that they're planning on finding you, so was... figure it out. It was, hey, your kid's annoying. Oh, okay. Stop the crying, and by the way, you're going to get fined. Got Ha-ha. it. Okay. Like, it was okay. kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this blew my mind, and I feel so bad for the parents. <laughs> Because I think back to my nephew who was colicky and I I mean, my sister and my brother-in-law say that like, I mean, for hours from like 6 PM to 3 AM, I made up those numbers, but it's something, it was something (laughs) like that. He would just cry incessantly. And, uh, my sister, I remember saying would walk, um, walk circles around the first floor of their house. So like through the living room and the dining room and the den and the kitchen and back around and around. And uh, every night she would stop counting at 500. That's how many loops she was making right. to try and get him to calm down. So That's why there's that, like, track burned <laughs> into the carpet <laughs> there. The I was wondering. Water, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is, I feel like this is such a touchy subject, obviously, because especially when you're a new parent, um, everything is very heightened. And me, I mean, we live in an apartment. I was mortified when it was 2 a.m. and yeah. we couldn't get her to stop crying yep. because all I could think was everyone else hates us. Like mm-hmm. they can hear this baby because I, you know what? We can hear upstairs alarm clock at, when they when their clock goes off. So I know they could hear our baby crying. Um, and it's weird because like I felt ashamed sometimes that she was crying, even though the, obviously it's perfectly normal, but that absolutely contributed to my stress. Those first few months of being a parent, uh, it was. It wasn't even necessarily like, oh, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I have a new baby to care for. It was like, what do the neighbors think? Do they hate us? Like, are they going to knock on our door at two a.m.? Am I going to get a note that says you're a terrible mom? So, but I also like, I don't know. Is there ever an instance where it's okay to give a, a to slip a note under the door of a new parent? Wow, I have so much to say about this. Oh yeah. First of all, I generally. I'm not in favor of attitudes that say that parents should be treated with some sort of special handling because they're parents. So, you know, yeah, I get it. Being a parent is tough, but guess what? Nobody made you do it. So, you know, we, we got into this of our own volition with eyes wide open. So don't treat us differently. You know, if, if we do something stupid, but I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just saying that's a, prelude to what's about to come that said i don't understand how you find somebody for a baby crying yes i understand there are noise ordinances at this facility and parents should not be exempt from them just because they're parents but literally there is nothing you can do now sure i'm sure there are some parents who are so neglectful or just bad at parenting that their child cries more than a child normally would Okay. Although I actually but, believe that scientifically it's the opposite, that eventually, in a very short time, if a baby is neglected, they just stop crying. Okay. I'm just saying. Fine. So, okay. My point is that babies cry. Right. We were all babies. We all cried. We all drove people crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You know? No, of I course mean, not. But that's, and, a, that's what I'm getting at here is like... And, and I, so... And so how do you find somebody for something like this? Right. Yeah. How? I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I, no, don't I don't understand I don't how either. you can do that. And, and it seems to me like 
you could, if you, you know, ran this condo or whatever, you could go to them and say, hey, you know, you need to investigate, you know, ways to better soundproof or things like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, which room is the baby in? Like, if you move the baby to a different room, might it make things better? Like, okay, fine, whatever. But you, you can't, yeah. f- babies cry. Mm-hmm. It happens. And, you know, when, when Leia was crying a lot, I mean, rarely did I care what anybody around us thought early on because all I cared about was I want to go back to sleep. Um, (laughs) You know, and when she stops crying, I can go back to sleep. Um, But there came a time, especially when we were doing Cry It Out, when we were sleep Mm -hmm. training her, where, you know, it was like, well, you know, we can't, if she wakes up at four in the morning, we can't let her cry for 20 minutes before she goes back to sleep. And I remember talking to... Yeah, 8 p.m. is different than 4 a.m. I remember talking to the pediatrician once and saying, you know... We live in an apartment, but we can't do this. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, you know, I get it, but we all live in New York. We all live with noise from the apartments around us. And trust me, the people around you will, they may not know it, but they will be much more grateful to have three nights of continuous crying and then nothing than the next year of on and off crying all the time. And I thought, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. And we had talked at one point, I think, about putting a sign up in the lobby (laughs) saying, (laughs) saying, hey, you know, we're sleep training for the next few days. We're really sorry. (laughs) And that might be a nice thing to do. Uh Um, You know, generally, I I don't think it's particularly helpful to tell people something is wrong when they know something is wrong. I think about that a lot. And, And we all fall victim to it, though. I mean, I know, you know, like... You know, I, I've been at the airport before when my flight is canceled, you know, and I get up to the desk and I tell them, you got to help me out. I've, I have to get to wherever. And in the back of my mind, I know they're thinking, no kidding, buddy. Right. Everybody in this line has, has to, to get to somewhere. I know you're not special. And so it seems ridiculous to say to a parent, hey, your kid is crying. <laughs> it's like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, I'm holding the kid while he or she is crying. And so leaving a note, like, what do you expect them to do? Right. To go, oh, gee, you're right. My kid is crying. So this goes back to my story from the beginning of this podcast, which was what my friend was trying to do or was considering was, here are things that I know that might help you to get your kid to stop crying. Right. So she wanted it to be more of a, less of a, hey, jerk, like your kid is waking everyone up and more of a, I'm, I've overheard some crying and I had great experience with this. Maybe you can try that to help your kid out. And I still kept going back to if someone put a note under our door that said, hey, have you tried the happiest baby on the block DVD or wear your baby or try a white noise machine or all that stupid crap that people told us that didn't work or only worked for a second. <laughs> I I think I would have jumped off a bridge. Yeah. I would have been so mortified because not only are they confirming that they can hear all the, all the incessant screaming, but they think that I'm an idiot and a terrible mother who doesn't know what tools to use. (laughs) Like, so it's obviously very wrought with emotion, but like, I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing that, you know, going and trying to give somebody that sort of advice. Even though you genuinely want to be helpful. Like now, no, no, but like if our neighbor now had a, brought home a newborn, 
Like, I feel like I'd want to knock on the door and be like, let me tell you everything that worked for us. I feel like that's different, though. That's sort of proactive. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of like before the kid annoys you. Yeah. It's different if it's, you know, week three of crying and you shove something under the door. Yeah. Which feels, regardless of how it's intended, feels like you're passive aggressively going. It does. Going, yeah. please stuff a sock in your kid's mouth. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me of a story that's probably not mine to tell, but I'll tell it anyway, which is a friend of mine who had a baby. And had had a friend who had not been in touch a lot prior to the baby coming, which okay. was a little hurtful because they had been very close. And then this friend got pregnant and, and her friend, friend just okay. sort of dropped off the face of the earth. And one day a box arrived at the house from this friend. friend. And when, when it was opened, it contained um, some uh, boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese and some tuna helper. Ooh. And ba- and a note basically saying, oh, I know kids are expensive, so here's some food to help out. Oh, my God. And I thought First of this- all, was it like 1975? No, it was like <laughs> 1990-something. But anyway, wow. I thought this was funny like when i heard this story like because i was an idiot and i was and i was like that is hilarious like it's so stupid it's funny my friends were horrified and insulted beyond belief like oh what you think we can't feed our children like you know you're like just out of nowhere you're sending us this like thanks for the 99 cent box of macaroni sure and then yeah that's the (laughs) other thing if i really can't feed my kids that doesn't help me right right (laughs) and and so i just you know and and I imagine this person somewhere in her mind thought, thought I'm being helpful. Yeah, I thought and, like I heard you're supposed to give food right, to your parents, right? And this right, is what and did. so I'm just going to out of nowhere ship a box of <laughs> of macaroni and cheese and tuna helper. Wow. Um, and I know that the person this happened to listens to this podcast, so I'm, I'm going to get an earful about this. Um, but yeah, I yeah it. You know, sometimes you can mean to be helpful, right? And go astray, and sometimes you're just a jerk no matter what. Yeah. And and that's what. By the way, I think. The latter is what happened in this article that we'll post in the show notes um, to this young couple in their condo. Yeah. condo. Um, it wasn't someone being helpful. Yeah. It was someone saying, shut up and you're going to get fined. Well, it, 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 it sort of is like a threat almost. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, um, you know. Hey, I'm not telling you. Right. Uh, gee, I'd love your kid to shut up, but I'm not going to tell you to make your kid shut up. But gosh, you're going to get fined if you don't. It, yeah. It, it is sort of a, it's more on the aggressive side, but it's sort of a passive aggressive mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. I Look, man. I mean, stuff happens. Yeah. And, and especially when you live close by other people. There's got to be a level of tolerance, you know, I I don't know if you remember or not, but there was a building I lived in when we were first dating Uh and my, uh, bedroom abutted the bedroom of the apartment next door. (laughs) And for a a period period of weeks, every morning Uh I was awakened or you were awakened if you spent the night Uh by the, like at six in the morning, by the sound of the people on the other side of the wall. Enjoying some morning glory. Yes. And it was hilarious. I mean, sometimes it was literally 5 a.m. Yeah. It yeah. was so I, strange. Yeah. Hey, g- good for you. You know, when the mood strikes. <laughs> no, but, but you're right. You just learn to live with But, you know, yeah. I mean, and did it annoy me that I was being awakened early? Mm-hmm. Sure. But I came to just laugh at it. You right. know, it was, it was funny. Um, this is what happens, especially in cities, especially in combined living units, and even in sta- in houses. I mean, you know, if a baby is really screaming and it's very still at night, yeah, you can hear people it. are going to hear travels. you. Mm-hmm. It's going to travel. So, you know, I grew up on, as you know, on the on an island slash on the bay. I always um, picture you wearing a grass skirt and a coconut bra <laughs> when you say you grew up on an island. No, no, no. 
Um, but at one point, for several years, we lived on a lagoon in that region. And now it's even worse. Now I'm definitely picturing that. <laughs> but sound travels over yeah. a still bay, and you would be able to, like, on a silent night, stand outside on your on your deck and hear like a party going on many blocks over, like right. multiple lagoons over. Yeah. Um, you could hear someone's phone conversations traveling from down the street. So, yeah, those yeah. are things we get used to. Unless you're living in like in you know a bunker in Montana alone. You're going to hear other people. Sometimes that sounds really attractive. Yes, it does. I agree. (laughs) Okay, moving on. I have a new career aspiration. Whoa! I want to be a literary power broker like Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) That's what I want to put on my LinkedIn profile. A literary power broker. So the Wall Street Journal had an article about how Reese Witherspoon is a new, the new literary power broker in Hollywood. And this is really cool. So she has her own production company, which she's had for a while, but um, she's a huge avid reader, apparently. She reads at least two books a week. Okay. And um, a few years ago started, you know, as she was getting scripts as part of her production company, she was annoyed by the female characters in them. Sure. um, And the lack of depth. And said, I'm reading such fantastic novels with such complicated characters, and I'm not seeing that reflected in the scripts that I'm getting. And her husband said, uh, so go option those books you're reading. And she yeah, said, Yeah, do something oh, right. about it. Yeah. So she did. And she is now one of the biggest um, Hollywood producers who uses fiction. Um, Damn, can somebody get Goth Girl Rising in front of her? <laughs> so she, uh, she if, you, if you follow her on Instagram, I actually don't. I should go do that right now. Uh, she talks about books constantly on Instagram. Wow, that's yeah. great. And apparently she has quite a knack for um, choosing which books to option and then to produce before they've become bestsellers. So she had Gone Girl before it was a bestseller. Um, She had Luckiest Girl Alive before it was a bestseller, which I read last year and loved. Um, And, you know, Wild, Cheryl Strayed, Mm -hmm. and and several others. So uh, it's really cool. This is my favorite quote from the article. Uh, When it comes to books, she still takes the recommendations of her high school friends whom she follows on Goodreads. And I was like, Reese Witherspoon is on Goodreads following her high school friends and, like, keeping a bookshelf. That's adorable. I mean, that's a novel right there. <laughs> you know what? I it mean, is. it really. I, I know we say that all at least twice an episode, but come on. <laughs> that's a novel right there. So I thought that was really neat. It is. You know, there's a couple things about that. First of all, there, there could be some confirmation bias. Well, that's the wrong term. But there could be a little, uh, you know, the fact that. She options oh, those books. Yeah. Probably helps them become because bestsellers. Because then the marketing becomes because there's, yeah, Reese Witherspoon. You know, oh, Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, certainly, you know, when Killers was optioned by Joel Silver, mm-hmm. a lot of people paid more attention to it than they might have mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, so there, there's, there's certainly that. Um, I think that's terrific. You know, I have always said that one of my wishes is that, you know, all these celebrities get interviewed on these ridiculous uh-huh. TV shows that... Oh, you love them. No, no I just despise these shows. <laughs> but, you know what? Let's do something good. Let's get... You know you know how they're, they're always like, you know, ask her something else? What, what yeah, was the hashtag um, on, on the red carpet? Else. Ask I something else. Is, like, yeah. to stop asking ask actresses. Her more, ask her ask more. Ask her more. That's stop right. asking them what they're wearing and yeah. then move on. I wish we could get a hashtag started to get these people on these ridiculous talk shows and entertainment news shows just once. To talk about books? Just, no, not even talk about it. Just say, by the way, what are you reading? Yeah. Like Just, that should be the by question. By the way, what yeah. are you reading? Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. And you know what? I'm sure there's going to be a couple of actors who will get caught flat-footed 
and they're not reading anything, yeah. and they'll be embarrassed, and they'll make damn sure they have an answer for the next time. Well, and then all their publicists will know right. we have to be armed with this right. answer. Right, yeah. and that gets books back into the conversation. Yeah, because, I love that. Because, I mean, there are so few movies made every year compared to how many books are published. Mm-hmm. So... Let's, you know, but so many movies are based on books and rarely do you hear that acknowledged yeah. in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think when Brie Larson won best actress yeah. this year, she actually gave a shout out to <laughs> Emma and the out. book, mm-hmm. which is terrific. Yeah. Um, and you know, that rarely happens. I, I remember we were watching the Oscars one year in a bar with a bunch of publishing people and it was the year that, uh, Hugo was up okay. for an Oscar and won all sorts of awards. Yeah. And Every time somebody would get up, we kept saying, all right, this is when they're going to thank Brian Selznick. Right. This is when they're going to thank Brian Selznick. Nope. Never. Never mentioned his name. Unreal. And literally, this would not have happened without his book. And I just... Good on Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah. I was really pleased to yeah. see that. Cool. Okay. So, let's talk about reading. I have a problem. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you, you have the same read. problem. You don't know how to read. Yeah. Uh, I want to know if you have the same problem. I want to know if the other writers who listen to this have the same problem. Okay. Which is, I really struggle to read for joy. Mm. And I feel like I'm in this mode, and I have been for a while, where every book I read, I'm reading to deconstruct it. And to see how the author did it. And what tricks did they use? And what's the plot structure? And all of these things. And I'm trying to get out of that mind frame. I don't know if that's possible. Like, as uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, plot is always my weak point when it comes to writing my own stuff. And so I'm constantly on the lookout for uh, how tight is that book's plot? Hmm. What did they do that I could learn from? I'm always seeking the lesson as I read a book, no matter what kind of book it is, even including these chapter books that I'm currently studying up on. Um, I, do, I, I want to be able to read for joy again. And I still, don't get me wrong, I'm still... I still enjoy reading. Obviously I love reading and I'm finding amazing books, but there's still always a part of my brain that is analyzing as I go. I just, I'm in the middle of rereading the entire Harry Potter series. As you know, you're not in the middle. You're towards I'm the end. Ju- yeah, I'm actually have one left. Yeah. <laughs> I just finished book six. Um, and it's been fabulous, but I, I'm really reading to analyze right now. And I caught myself sometime in the middle of the third book. And I was like, let it go and just enjoy these stories. And I still couldn't really, I was very, I was just very conscious of the fact that I was trying to let go. So is this a problem for you? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the more you write, the harder it is to sink into a book. You're too aware of what is being done. Yeah. And even when it, the book is great. You're aware. Yeah. You're like, wow, wow. Like, I can't believe she pulled that off or I can't believe he was able to do that and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, And I'm doing that with television and movies as well, by the way. Yeah. I, I can't let go in front of a TV show anymore. I think it's an occupational hazard. Uh, It's easier for me with movies and TV. It's, it's easier there, but still not every time. I think one thing that makes it a little easier with books is when you read dramatically outside of what you what write. You're writing. Oh, that's so, really smart. Yeah. You know, I a few years ago, famously, huh, I say famously, I don't think anybody cared, <laughs> did not read any children's books for, okay. for a year. Uh-huh. I read only adult books and nonfiction. I read no YA, no middle grade, none of that. And, you know, what I found was that 
the ratio of good stuff to crap is pretty much the same. Okay. <laughs> um, but I found that the books that I liked in the adult space, I really, really dug them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really just sank into them in a way that I have difficulty doing with YA because I write so much of yeah. it. You know, the other, another problem, quite frankly, you know, with, with reading YA sometimes for me is sometimes I know the author, Yeah, you know, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and I'll be reading it and I'll go, and I'll go, oh yeah, you know, that's so him. Of course that, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I remember he told me he was going to do something like this in a book once yeah. and now he did it. Oh, good job. Yeah. And, that makes it tough sometimes course, to really, yeah. you know, to really get into it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's an irony that, you know, the thing that brought us to writing, which is a love of reading, mm-hmm. sometimes is something that we sacrifice. It's compromised. Yeah. It, it, compromise is a better word than sacrifice because I still enjoy reading, but it, it's harder than it used to be. It is. Yeah. For, for so many reasons. And, and that's one of them. And it's sad. It reading really is. It's hard now. It is. That it sucks. Is. You know, once you know how to... I'll do a sports metaphor because I never do them. Oh, good. Once you know how to hit a baseball, I think it changes the way you watch a baseball game. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. And, and, you know, I, I, I just, I think, I think writing a lot makes it harder to enjoy the simple pleasure of just reading a book. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I was a dancer growing up and my cousins were as well. And one of my cousins in particular was a fabulous dancer and kept at it much longer than, um, than her sister. And when, and she was really good. And I think if she had stuck with, like if she had had the passion for it, she could have gone a long way with it. And we went to go see center stage, the Mm. the dance movie, which great movie. Uh, and also I'm dating myself here. So anyway, after the movie, I was like, Laura, what did you think of that? I loved it so much. And she was like, I was just so focused on the turnout of the dancers, (laughs) like their actual footwork. Right. That I wasn't paying attention to the story. And yeah. I was like, oh, see, she's doing it too. Like, yeah. she can't even watch a movie about dance because she's right. focusing on the form. So, I guess it happens to all sorts of genres, industries. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, while we're talking about reading, what are you reading right now? We haven't done a book update in a while, have we? No, we haven't. I'm actually still reading um, uh, The Singing Bone, which okay. I've been reading a couple of weeks ago. Um I had to, I, I had a, a slight revision that I had to yeah. do with, with bang. And I had a couple of other things that came up, um, that, uh, that, that interrupted me. So I'm, I'm, I'm close to finish with it, but, uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm still, I'm unfortunately still reading it. Yeah. yeah. Now, unfortunately, just cause it's, I'm not <laughs> done yet. Not because I'm not enjoying it. I am enjoying it. What about you? Uh, I just started a new book. I had just finished a book and adult lit, lit fic that has been getting rave reviews and has been optioned for a film. I don't think it was Reese though. And, uh, I was excited to read it and I did not think it was good at all. So I'm not going to talk about that. It was a disappointment, but I started Vivian Apple at the end of the world by Katie Coyle. It's a YA. I think it came out last year or the year before. Cause I believe there's a sequel out now. I love it. It is, it is unlike most other things I've read, particularly in the YA genre. Um, it is incredibly fast paced and clever and inventive and, uh, and smart and thoughtful. So I'm really into it. I'm only about halfway through, but, uh, I'm, I'm that we were just talking about the fact that I can't read a book for pleasure anymore. This book in particular, I'm really dissecting the plot because she's jammed so much action into it already that uh, like I'm blown away by that. Right. And taking a lot of lessons from it. So that's cool. Cool. Yeah. But cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying it right now. Love that title. It's such a great title. 
Yeah. So, writing update. Writing update. Um, wow. I am uh, I'm about to head to Texas Library Association yeah, in Texas. Houston, Texas uh, to talk about The Secret Sea. And uh, we're recording on a Saturday. This show will probably hit the, the interwebs on Monday or Tuesday. By Wednesday, I will be gone. So um, I just uh, wrapped up Bang. And uh, I'll be waiting for copy edits on that. So normally, I would be starting on something new mm-hmm. this week. But I'll be gone yeah. on the days when I would normally be writing when right, your mother's yeah. in town. So that'll be next week. So yeah. I'm writing absolutely nothing right now. Nice. Um, there are a bunch of things up in the air still. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's, again, there's eight things that my uh-huh. agent that my agent is handling. Plus one other thing just popped up the other day. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be mysterious. Well, you kind of have to be. But I have to be because like, there's no point yeah. talking about it. But um, we'll see. Like if any one of these eight or nine things happen, it'll be really cool. Good. And I'll be really psyched about it. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime... I'm really looking forward to uh, next week to starting on something new. Nice. I already know what it is and oh, wow. just going to sit down and start on it. Great. So, yeah. I What's am, going on with you? I'm same as last week, uh, working on some things, but still sort of in the research mode for, um, the chapter, for the, book. The chapter book that yeah. I, I wanted to go back to, I should say. And, uh, finishing up that essay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I think that's it for us. Yes, I yeah. think so. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Visit us online at writinginreallife.com and subscribe to us and rate us in iTunes. We hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.